Alkenstar, the city of smog. A haze of smoke clings to the city like morning dew on a flower. Our camera fades in high over the streets. We can barely see the city below through the smog, except for a few towers tall enough to pierce through the pollution. As we float downwards, we do eventually see the city itself comes into focus. Divided by t- or divided into by a large river, immediately we can see the imbalance between the two sides. Our camera moves closer towards the industrial side as we see hundreds of smokestacks spewing upwards. Buildings covered in large gears click and clack, click, clack. The rhythmic sound filling our ears. After time, it fades too, and we barely notice the noise pollution constantly filling our ears. The camera moves down to street level, and we see a strange mix of people. Many are dressed in coveralls, covered in soot and grease, carrying tools to or from their jobs. The camera pauses for a minute as a clockwork machine made out of brass cogs and sheet metal dutifully empties a trash can into its bin. A passerby tosses a half-eaten piece of fruit at the machine, and it bounces off its face, leaving a small smear behind. Without emotion, the clockwork bends down to pick up the litter adding it to its collection and moving on. As the camera pans back towards the street, we see clockwork powered vehicles moving around, motorcycles and cars, self-powered through Alkenstar. The camera lingers for a moment as a dwarf carrying a large wind up key moves to the back of his car, inserting it into a slot and twisting with grand motions. The camera moves up past the vehicle, towards the front of a building. We can see an apartment building come into view, with a nicely polished brass sign signifying Alkenstar Towers hanging over the door. As we float in, we can see a lot of luxury. The occasional light bulb flickers in the ceiling, providing light to the shared spaces. At the end of the hall, A small elevator is present, with a small gate for a door for safety. The camera pulls in close as the four people packed into the elevator uncomfortably close squeeze in, close the door, and the gears above them begin to spin and turn, pulling the elevator up. Click-clack. Click-clack. Our camera moves into the elevator, following it as it rises up, closing in on the first face. And we see a cowboy hat-toting man. A nameplate floats up on screen, and the screen freezes for just a moment. It reads, in cool, like, crazy font, Halbrent. Rick, could you do us a favor Mm -hmm. and share what Halbrent looks like for the rest of the players and for the audience. You see a very pale-skinned man with yellowish-colored eyes, 
wearing a dark hat and a dark handkerchief over what looks like a uh, blanket of varying shades of gray and black. Um, looks like he's cut a hole through the center of the blanket and he's put it over his um, put it over his head and tied it with a old piece of twine. Now, on one side, you see uh, a long sword there, and on the back, he's got a large round shield. The frame unfreezes, and the camera floats away from Halbrant towards the next person in the elevator, standing shoulder to shoulder with him. We see a man dressed in similar garb, although more of a duster, I imagine, but we'll find out in a second. The frame freezes, and we see another nameplate appear in the same font. Ruficule. Richard, can you go ahead and explain to the audience and to your fellow cast members what Ruficule looks like? Yeah, standing next to Hal Brent, uh, probably not quite as tall, is a young human male, tan, darker skin, um, wearing a long kind of charcoal gray duster trench coat with a white cowboy hat with a uh, brown leather braid tied around it. He's got a kind of a nice silver button-up vest. He's got a, ha- a black coal handkerchief around his neck and he's wearing an eye patch over his left eye. And his clothes while at first glance look pretty nice. You can tell they're showing signs of wear starting to fray a little bit at the cuffs the occasional sewed up tear and patch here and there that's Reficule as we jump back into motion we drift through these two figures towards the back row of the elevator at this point the camera has to stop and tilt up a bit towards a large imposing figure Their head is stooped a bit as to not crash through the top of the space. The frame freezes again, and the nameplate appears. Saruk. So Saruk stands just maybe a hair short of seven feet tall. Uh, Imposing orc in the back of the room. Black hair tied in your standard issue 2010s era man bun. Black beard, like neatly shaved studded leather armor which is a little less like made to be very fancy over the top and a little more like form over function some of the studs are definitely like spent shell casings some of them are like what appears to be perhaps like bone or something like a little less shiny than you would see in a a lot of places at his hip there hangs a what I can only describe and what I have only described to others as a Sauron-esque mace with several, like, pointing forward up flanges. A discerning eye might notice that there are what appear to be, like, iron sights that come off the side of the, like, top of said flanges, almost as if it were meant to be used, like, point as a wand or something like that. The... Probably the thing that is the most hidden, like, as the camera stops, covers a an emblem of a jaguar, which is carved out of, like jade with like gold trim under like a fold in his armor and yeah so the movie comes back into motion 
and it pushes towards the last member of this group in the elevator, we see a woman standing beside what appears to be some strange clockwork robot of some sort. The frame freezes, and this time we see two nameplates appear, Anita and Wybert. Uh, so for Anita, you see a brown-skinned woman, most likely the shortest of the group, who's trying to peek over the Saruk, who I'm assuming is right in front of her. Um, yeah, like squeezed in with my robot, Wybert. Uh, she has curly hair over her shoulders. Tattoos on her arms are on display outside of her sleeveless shirts and her armor. Uh, there's a bandolier over her chest with a collection of tools just peeking out of the pockets. Uh, she's um, she's setting up her monocle on her right eye and then looks to Wybert, who the best I could describe Wybert would be, imagine like uh, those old time scuba suits, uh, but mechanize them, make them a little rounder and you have Wybert. Wybert doesn't talk, but in her head she does. The camera backs away from the faces into the hallway as one by one, they step outside. Saruk stops and looks at a piece of paper in their hand, then back up at the door. This is the place you've been looking for. The apartment of one Aldo Stubb. Earlier today, you all met in the office of a fixer named Hagos. He offered you a paying job. Something hard to come by without street cred around Alkenstar. In this case, a bounty. Aldo, it seems, stole some top-secret formulas from his job at the Ruby Works Fireworks Factory and then disappeared. He is being sought for questioning and is to be brought in alive. A simple job for meager pay, 10 gold to the group. Each of you was handpicked by Hagos for your specialty for this job. Or so he says. Deep down, you question if you were the only ones who could get to take this bounty at all. The camera stops, staring at the front door. The silence is filled with the sound of gears ticking away. Click, clack. Click, clack. As the elevator dings, and descends back down to give a ride to his next person. Players, the scene is yours. Well, if this is the place, then Surik is going to just step forward and first things first before mm -hmm. doing anything. Are there any discernible uh, like traps on the door from our side? A good question. Why don't you go ahead and give me a perception check? Wait, let me. This will be the first actual roll of the first game. roll. No first pressure. roll. No pressure. <laughs> so I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say because I'm very smart, I was pursuing a lead. In the I think four times. I think as an investigator, you are definitely pursuing a lead, and you would potentially have the the, the circumstance bonus on this. Yes. Is it applies right. so it applies to anything in in pursuit of your lead? Is that how it works? Yeah, pretty much anything that can be justified in the intelligence wisdom charisma department. Yeah. I will totally allow that in this situation. Alright, here goes nothing. 
Yeah, we'll take it. 18. Not bad for our first roll. You're setting the tone for the campaign, right? It's above Slightly above average. It's above yeah. 10, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> so, you give a once-over for the door. Um, 18 is actually not bad. So, uh, it doesn't look trapped. I mean, you know, it's never hers to check. You're not in the dungeon. You're in an apartment condo. Uh, it doesn't look trapped. But the thing you notice looking it over, there are very faint scratch marks around the lock of this um, that kind of gives away that it has probably been picked whether that is recent or not it's hard to discern but there's definitely the telltale signs of these tools in the keyhole of this door okay so that i'll step back it looks like someone picked this how do the three of you want to play this um hang on a second i'm just Trying to figure out what I have in hand. Uh, Ravi, could you maybe help him a little bit? Oh, uh, sure thing. Watch your head going through this doorway. <clears throat> These apartments are, you know, not built for the likes of you. Eh. is going to look around. Is there anyone in the hallway? Uh, you give a good glance up and down. There doesn't appear to be anyone at a glance. You can give me an active perception check, too. Perception. Okay. Let's see if we're going to keep things going from last campaign. Yep. Just believe that that's not going to oh, happen. I'm... Believe in the me that believes in you. <laughs> I believe. Here we go. Yeah. Roll. Okay. That's a 16 for a 22. Okay. Uh, there is not a single soul that is, is currently in this hallway. It's completely barren. I think maybe the one thing you would have saw when you first came out in the hallway is, um, as you guys stepped out, there was, like, almost, like, a door, apartment door open with a kid playing outside, and the parent, like, grabbed the kid and brought him in and, like, closed the door. But, uh, it looks like nobody's watching you or has an active eye on you. So, Reficule throws back the left side of his duster. And you see on his hip, holstered, a finely crafted single-shot dueling pistol that he just puts his hand on. And he goes, All right, eyes up, Annie. All right. Uh, Sir, if I... uh, Forget your name. Saruk? Saruk. Damn, do I get a hero point for the mispronunciation? (laughs) You don't get a hero point for... For each other Damn. mispronouncing your names. <laughs> You're just learning each other. You just met. Yeah. You, you, you said that uh, the lock was picked. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it open? I'm assuming it is. If someone already came in. I'm going to reach over to the door. I don't want to open it, but just like try the knob. You give it the slightest bit of turn and uh, it does give like it feels unlocked. I nod. Should we head in? I mean, it's an apartment. I don't think that anyone would really booby trap these things. Wouldn't be the first time I've walked into one. Indeed. So, loud or quiet? I think Hal's already there. By the door. Yeah. It's already picked. Might as well go in loud. Very well. I'll reach down, thumb the mace out of the, like, loop that it's in in my belt, and push the door open. 
Alright, no problem. The door opens easy. You defeated your first and the greatest threat to all adventuring parties. Doors. Doors. Paralysis. Yeah, thousand experience. I know. <laughs> so the door, you know, it, it gets flashed. Are you doing, are you just doing like a press and like pushing or are you like hitting it hard? Like what's the sort of demeanor here? I am Resident Evil 4 double clicking. Does that track for anyone in the call? <laughs> the like put hand on door and then shoulder check it open. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so with a lot of force, the door flies open. Uh, it's a pretty sturdy door. It's actually reinforced with some sort of like metal and wood. So it flies open. It doesn't break. Um, as you look beyond, the apartment air hangs stale with light shining in the yellow tinted window to the outside. Beyond, through the thick smog, lies the district of Steamhaven. This apartment lies on the seventh floor, allowing a decent view of the factories across the street. Immediately, you take in the entirety of the apartment layout. Before you lies a small living room with an overstuffed reclining chair and an electric light hanging from the ceiling that casts a glow over the place. A bookshelf sits across from the chair, though most of the books have been knocked to the floor haphazardly. To your left is a small kitchen. An icebox appears to sit here, along with a table and a single chair. The sink rounds out the small dedicated eating room, filled with what looks like broken dishes. The faucet drips water every few seconds onto the shards below. Through the living room, the door to the bedroom is partially open. Beyond lies a messy bed and what looks like clothes strewn across the floor. And that moment of tension as everyone prepares for the worst passes as it doesn't appear that there was any threat in the place. Alright, so I'm trying to figure this out. So we're here because we have to look for this Aldo fellow. Yeah? Right. And he's wanted for theft of secret formulas? Mm-hmm. All right, so this would maybe explain why everything's all strewn about, dirty. Someone already probably went in here, tried to look, or Makes something sense. else. Yeah. I'm just trying to something figure else, out this probably. One. As far as I can see, maybe we just take a look around right quick. Yeah, someone might want to watch the hall as well. If someone's come in here looking for secret formulas, who knows if they don't circle back and then I'll start moving towards the, I guess, the pile of clothes and begin, like, picking them apart, see if there's anything buried under those. Yep, so head back oh. towards the bedroom. It's through the living room towards the back of the apartment. Yeah. Wa Rafikul walks towards the hall saying, right, looking for clues is your job, Tusks. And looking for... Uh, does, does anyone in the party speak Kibwadi? I presume no. It's, there's something said in Kibwani and on, on Saruk goes. Okay. So Saruk's so going to head towards the back bedroom. What about Anita and Hal? Uh, I will go through the uh, the bookshelf cases, like the books like the that are all over area. the floor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that seems like at least the kitchen for Hal. Unless, Hal, you want to double up with someone? No, I'll go uh, to the kitchen. Maybe there's some... Uh something to eat in there perfect so so there's like basically the immediately the crew like splits and everyone goes their separate way um so the camera split follows right away. yep perfect split the party 
Uh, no, that's before. We're, we're like in exploration mode, right? So uh, the camera follows Saruk as he walks his way through the sort of messy books and the overstuffed chair towards the bedroom and pushing the door open. Uh, yeah, I mean, the bedroom, it looks like the the there's a closet, almost like a wardrobe type situation that's been strewn. All of the clothes are just on the floor. There's like a messy bed, uh, some drawers and things of that nature. It doesn't, it, it appears like this is a very messy room and or potentially it's been tossed already. So you tell me what you would like to do back here in, in the room. So back here, if it's already been tossed, I suppose it's just like, is there anything that is locked? Anything that maybe whoever tossed it didn't get through? Or is there something laying out that might be a clue as to where Aldo might have gone? Yeah. So for this first part, would you rather, are, are you more like looking? Uh, I'm trying to think if this is more of a like putting the pieces together. I guess you're still trying to find clues. So let's say in this first chunk of time, go ahead and give me a secret perception check. Secret so, perception check. You can either hold control to do it or change the drop down. Either way would work. Hold control, yeah. click this. Oh, that click next. I'm just going to go down here and I'm going to make it say... Oh, uh, God. Private GM roll. That's what I'm looking for, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that should Excellent. default to that. If you control. I use Foundry a lot. <laughs> and this would definitely have your Pursuit of Lead Circumstance bonus, so if you left that on, that's good. Perfect. Gotcha. So... Uh, so you, you go through the room, right? You're going through, uh, as you, as you're going through some of the piles, there's the dressers you look through, right? The dresser has been, everything's been dumped on the floor, but one of the discarded drawers catches your eye after a few minutes of searching. And it almost looks like the dresser itself has a false bottom. You catch the, the telltale signs of the scrapes on the inside. Um, that lets you know mm -hmm. that somebody would be like potentially pulling the bottom up of one of these drawers. Gotcha. Well, then, uh, approaching that, I guess I'll pull the drawer, and then does it look like something is going to bite me? Should I try to open uh, it? With, with your roll and stuff, it doesn't look like there's anything dangerous, nothing trapped about it. It just looks like a false bottom. And in that case, we'll open it up. Yep, you kind of pry up the loose board on the bottom. Um, as you pick up the drawer and like move it, you can hear a little bit of rattling in it too. Uh, that's a little subtle. And you pry up the bottom of the board of this drawer and you look and you find a single poker chip for an underground gambling club called the Hellhole. Along gotcha. with a, well, a couple of well-worn decks of cards. At this point, if you're looking at the chip, if you want, you can either give me an underground lore or a society check if you want to maybe, or justify a skill of your choice to figure out if you want to place like where this thing is. Make it secret as well. Make it secret. While that's happening, you you hear from outside the hall, Refi, Annie, don't forget to hydrate. In chat, they- I'm they, trying to look up books. We got a, a hydrate redeem, so we'll hydrate. Oh. Right. Ruffy, so could I, you make sure that Wybert just doesn't make a fool out of himself out there? All right, Bertie, come on. So that's an underworld lore check. So as you go through this, you've heard of this place. This gambling club is, is super familiar to Saruk. Um, it's on Hellside. So this is a this is the sort of shanty town built on the side of the health Hell Cliffs. The Hell. My God, I'm blanking on the name, but the Hell Side Cliffs. 
that go down towards the bottom of the Ustradi River, um, and they literally just build these wooden structures on the side. This place is there. It's, it's There's no sign on the outside that, that announces what it's called, but this is the street name, the Hellhole. Hellfallen. You know, Hellfallen Cliffs, thank you. And you know exactly where this club is, and you could get there if you wanted. Gotcha. So from there, uh, the camera tilts back, uh, leaves Saruk. We come back and, you know, time kind of rewinds because it's happening all in parallel. And we see Anita in the living room uh, going through the, the stacks and stacks of books. So what would Anita be doing here? What is Anita's approach to the situation? I would be looking for any uh, pieces of paper that are strong about. Uh, maybe something that whoever rummaged through missed. Also, I'll be checking under the the seats as well, the tables, everything. Okay, I think this this qualifies. You can go ahead and make a uh, a secret perception check. Secret perception. Oh, yeah. Control. Secret. Okay. So, as you search through the the books. Um, the first thing that pops out to you that's super apparent here is that the books themselves are, uh, many of these books are hollowed out. So the books themselves, not all of them, but a good portion of them, as you flip through it, they've been sort of made to have a storage in the middle and the pages are glued. Um, but as you pick up and look through, they appear to be completely empty. Whatever was in here is already been taken. You're immediately kind of get the sense that this might have been where money or something more sinister was kept. Okay. There's no... Can I ask if there's, like, a specific book that has, like, a very unique shape on how it was hollowed? Like, sure. maybe a shape of a key or... Uh, so, with, with this role, you do look around. Um, I think you don't find... So, you're looking for something unique to, like, that stands out from the rest... You don't find anything in terms of hollowed out books, but as you pry deeper and look for more interesting books that stick out, there's one on the shelf. Most of these books are like technical manuals or, you know, trade books or things about like fireworks, alchemy, things of that nature. But one of them doesn't fit the rest and it catches your eye and there's something sticking out the top. It appears to be a bookmark of some sort. Uh, I take it and see what it is. Sure. So you slip the book off and open it. Um, the book itself, um, it's written in Dwarvish. Does Anita speak Dwarvish? I believe so, yes. Perfect. So this, written in Dwarvish, this is a book. It's called Hammer and Tongs. It's actually a holy book, like a Bible of sorts. It, you know, on the cover, it just tells you it's, it's basically a, a holy book for the god Torag. And... Um, as you look, the bookmark is a small flyer that's marked one of the pages for a celebration service at a specific temple of Torag, but it's dated a few months ago. Okay. And the temple is here in Alkenstar. Yes, the temple is in Alkenstar. Okay. It's in, uh, not too far from where you guys are. It's also, it's in the Ferris quarters. Okay. <laughs> and the camera from there sort of flitters back towards the the... The kitchen area where we see Halbrent rummaging through the yep. kitchen, looking for something to eat, possibly. Probably he's been out on the mana wastes a little bit, foraging for some stuff, and he's like, I wonder if there's any food in here. Okay. Mm, and he'll 
take out a little pack from his pocket and he'll tap it and he'll put a handmade cigarette in his mouth and sparks the lighter and starts looking around. Mm-hmm. So you, you head over. Is there food? Yeah, there's there's an, there's an icebox, right? That would be good where the, most of the food would be kept. And as you sort of flip it open, once you start, you can give me a perception check too to see what, what Hal would pick up on this situation. A secret perception check for Hal. Yes, please. Thank you. Sounds like a dwarvish young adult romance. How do you know it's not? Thank you, Wiffle Possum in chat. Uh, okay, <laughs> so so you step over, um, you step towards the icebox, you, you flip it open. Now, the icebox here is normally refilled with ice, and it would help keep it cool. The ice has long since melted and has not been replaced, but there is some food here that seems to be edible, and it's full of, like, really sad thaw-and-serve meals that, like, popular with many of the working class to decide to freeze it and dump it into their lunchbox and take it to work with them. Um, it's kind of a sad bachelor sort of life. Mm, perfect. And thinking how sad it looks when your eyes kind of drift to the wall. On the wall, there's a bunch of pictures and memories and keepsakes like posted and stuck into the wall. Sort of a little memory wall. And you see one specific thing that catches your eye, which is a sketch of a dwarven man with a young pretty looking girl it looks a bit faded and stained Hmm. but it is there amongst the rest is this picture kind of like is it matted and does it have glass on it and is there a frame around it it just looks like a simple sketch with like a thumbtack through it right into the wall Hmm. it's like stuck behind another like flyer of some sort take a drag on his cigarette and pull out the pin and fold this thing and put it in his pocket Okay. Yep. You go ahead and take it. It seems definitely matches the description of Aldo on the front, although the woman seems a little uh, nebulous who she might be. Um, so you just like fold it and tuck it away. Yep. Okay. Is there so, any water in this chest or this trunk or this uh, food freezer? There is. There, there's some stuff that looked like it might have been ice at one point, and now it's water. Um, and, uh, even as you're saying that you, you step, your foot kicks and you realize now there's like a bowl of water, like on the floor and you kind of kick it with your foot and it shuffles a little bit and spills a little bit onto the floor. And it looks like there's like a small bowl and a little plate that was kind of to the side of the icebox that wasn't super noticeable. Hmm. He'll take off his hat and he'll look at the ceiling to see if there's any kind of leaks in the ceiling or is this somebody's, I mean somebody's pet it looks very similar to a setup you would see for a pet to eat off the floor but there's no Hmm. sign of a pet anywhere else in the apartment I think Hal would undo his canteen and dust it off and then fill the rest of it up with this floating in this water and puts it back on his side and walks back out looks at uh, Saruk and Anita looks up to Saruk, kind of tips his hat back, and, uh, any of you seen this young lady here? And I'll undo the sketch and show it to them. Yeah, so here's what you do, right? You unfold the sketch, and you hold it out, and as you hold it out, you realize now there's writing on the back that you hadn't seen up until this point. So as you're holding it out for people to see, you can see the writing. The writing itself, um, it looks like it's basically a lipstick impression on the back, and a little address scrawled in handwriting to another apartment in Steamhaven, just a few blocks over in a less prestigious area. 
You uh, seen this woman here? Familiar with where she might live? I think she probably lives at. And I start reading out the address. Well, that sounds oddly specific. I'll trust your judgment. <laughs> yeah, do you know who the lady is that lives here? Um, nobody, no, nobody recognizes the address, at least, in the group. All right. Well, he might be involved with this uh, young lady. Maybe uh, take a look at him. Uh, the address is on the back. So, you know, got the lipstick marks. Maybe we should check out there. I didn't find anything other than what looks like his pet's bowl in the kitchen. Some food. You want anything? It's a few days old. It's better than lizards on the wastes. I'll take your word for it. I subconsciously look at the pockets of Halbrant to see if like, there's anything from the waste that could be peeking out of them. Like his holster or anything maybe back pocket but i'll try to be sly about it like, i wonder what these wastes are i'm wearing a like a long blanket of gray and black and it just looks like i put a put a hole in the top and i've just put this blanket over myself and tied it so you might be able to get a good look from the side as i turn to go back into the kitchen and grab some extra food you could actually procure about a day's worth of rations if you wanted to add some like old fridge rations to your character sheet, Hal. We'll do that. So at this point, you know, you guys have uncovered a couple of clues. I'll let you guys discuss it and figure out what you guys want to do next. And or spend more time, you know, turning the apartment over to see if there's anything else you might have missed. But go ahead. Yeah, uh, speaking of um, that damn Irish accent. (laughs) It is. Uh, Speaking of uh, things found, I also found this flyer. I never took it out of the area in the book that he left it in. So, like, I opened the book, and then there's this flyer um, mentioning an event at Torg's Temple. And if you look at the books, I don't think it's anything interesting, although it is. A lot of them are hollowed out. Um, what else is in here? Oh, I try to see. Maybe, Surak, maybe you seem to be someone who'd be more well-versed about this. Is there anything in this book that you... Well, the flyer, sorry, the flyer. And then I'll read the pages in the book. And the flyer is also written in Dwarven? Uh, yes. Oh. I just kind of look it up and I'm sorry. I'm familiar with the teachings of the Forge Father, but not his language. I did find this, and from belt pocket outcomes, poker ship, I set it on nearest table-esque surface that everyone can get to. It seems like we're either checking on a, well, I'll say romantic interests apartment, or we're hoping he feels like gambling away profits from selling formulas. Or all of the above. Or all of the above. All right. Is there anything of interest that you all want to see in here before we leave? I don't know. Let me uh, sniff about the place a little bit more. Maybe his dog is around here somewhere. You don't want to leave the poor thing in here. This old food isn't going to be good for him. And I'll go back towards the kitchen and kind of whistle for this dog. Yeah, you give it a whistle. You you try to call out, yeah, an animal, a cat, some kind of animal of some sort. Uh, you give the call out, 
and there's no response in the apartment list. If there was a pet, at least they're not coming to your call. At that point, Reficule would have heard that and kind of poked his head back <laughs> in from the hallway. Right. Right. You find anything, Tusks? I'll pick up the uh, poker chip and, like, on top of my thumb, flip it your direction. Our friend's a gambling man. Our friend has a, a partner not far from here who he could be holed up with. Our friend... Apparently. I'm sorry, you said that was months ago, the, the event at the temple? Yeah, it was for... Yeah, a temple at Torag. And this book is a holy book for the god of Torag. So a religious gambling lover. Yeah, so looking at it, right, you look at the flyer, um, the actual event seems to be basically a sort of mass group workout to get everyone in shape. Uh, almost like a... It's it's Dwarven Zumba. It's like Dwarven Zumba, but like a little bit more intense than that. It might be more like CrossFit. Like Dwarven Zumba. Like hit. Yeah. They were doing some body combat at the at Torg's temple for some reason. That's what the flyer said. You need a lot of muscle mass to work the forge. That tracks. Thinking about it, I want to like go take a knee and like look under the bed. If there's a pet we can't find, I have a hunch. Okay, so Saruk just kind of, like, disappears back into the, the bedroom, uh, gets down. Because you're massive, right? And this is a dwarven-sized bed. So you have to get quite low to do it. It's fine. It's, it's possible. It just looks a little comical. Um, and as you do look specifically under the bed, you do notice something. There is a spot under the bed that looks like a holster for, like, a large firearm. But it's empty. The firearm's not there, but there's definitely a holster for the firearm under that bed. I will slowly pull it out and be thankful I didn't get slapped by the cat I thought would be under the bed. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. there's no sign of a, of a pet. And as you guys look around the apartment and look through the sketches and stuff, it does seem a bit odd. There's no sign at all that there would be a pet living in the space. It doesn't smell like pet. There's no, like, pet food specifically. There's no, like, litter box. There's nothing that would give any indication to the group of you spending time here that a pet lives here, other than the food bowl and water on the floor. That sticks out as an odd thing to you guys. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have a couple leads. Where do we <laughs> want to go? <laughs> right. Well, I'd pick the gambling hall myself, but uh, if you said they're having combat at this temple, this might be kind of my more... Or my type of religious experience. No, Refi, it's body combat. It's a it's a sort of exercise that you do. It's high intensive. Right. You don't actually right. hit each other. Oh, what's the point of that then? You're uh, uh, he called you Annie. Is that what your name is? Oh, sorry. My name is Anita Kieran Ulysses Mendoza. So Annie. you are yeah. Mm, maybe in the future, Annie. However, right now, Anita. Anita's fine. Her name's Anita. My name's Reficule. Mm. What about you, Whiskers? Do you find anything in that kitchen? Just this, uh, what looks like sketch of this nice lady and this Aldo character. It's got a address with a lipstick mark on the back. Smells kind of sweet too. It's right around the corner. Maybe we could uh, 
go there before uh, your friend here decides to go in this high-intensity body training exercise. That's that's what interests you. And Anita, is that right? Yes, Anita. Um, what what time is it right now? Is the sun out? It's like high noon. Right. It's, it's like midday. I knew. Uh, thank you. That's dangerous. I I you <laughs> Can't say that in a cowboy street. Yes. Well, I thought you went with your brains and going to the school, school and all on the other side uh, wouldn't be into the exercise and kind of stuff. Me? Yes. Well, I do go to school. However, I mean, the reason why I'm here is because I do things that you guys do as well yeah but um i'm i'm thinking if it's all right i'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought how but since it's high noon it couldn't it might be too early for the gambling place and the high intensity exercise yeah you're right we could go there it seems like the most logical train of thought is we hit the lover's house as it is the closest then circle back to the temple and then this evening we hit the hellhole. Imagine if the lover is actually at the temple doing some high body intensive, high intensive exercises. Right. Well, I'll look over at Reficule. Like, <laughs> at this point, because uh, Reficule, you are still posted up in standing watch, right? There's yeah, a bit of an I'm odd in the doorway. Situation. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of an odd situation that happens here, right? So you hear the ding, right? And you hear like the elevator doors open and you see a pretty stocky looking um, buff man, right? Bulging muscles, uh, thick neck. The ding door opens, ding, and the elevator. He like stops and he kind of like makes eye contact with you like a little bit, and then like immediately just sort of like closes the door, and then the ding, the elevator starts going down again. I'll just uh, I'll f- flick the coin. I'll flick the uh, the poker chip back to Saruk. I will catch it if I can. Can. Yeah, I've been rolling it on my fingers this entire time, and I flick it back, and I said, Right, I might have to place that bet sooner than later. And I just turn into the hallway. I'll just grab the poker chip midair, follow after. Yep. Yeah, so like, what happened is, right, the, the, the elevator came up, the door opened, he saw you, and then immediately closed the door and went back down, right? So he's not... Oh, he went there. back down? I thought, yeah. I thought he, like, I thought he stepped out and, like, closed it and was like... Right. No, sorry, I should have been worse with it. He, like, made eye contact with you, like, it looked like he noticed you and then tried to play it off like he was on the wrong floor, but didn't do a very good job, and, like, immediately just, like, closed the door and, and hit the button to go back down. Or pulled the lever to go back down. Might have a friend. Definitely somebody seems interested in, in you guys. I mean... That could be a sign that we're staying here for a long time and that we might and we should maybe head to the lover's apartment. There might be trouble. Annie, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Refi, sometimes. Are you okay, Annie? I know that you could beat me. However, sometimes I really do want to hit you in the head with Wybert 10 over here. <laughs> All right. Actually, stay behind a little bit, and then like walk next to Hal. Still looking for like stuff. So, are we gonna transition to this other apartment that seems like a few blocks over? Yeah. So, so I think uh, if you guys want to transition to that scene, you can. So, you guys like sort of 
have to get back into this cramped elevator space is a little too small for the five of you. It uh, sort of like rumbles back down and everyone's on edge because you know that somebody seems to be keeping eye out, but there's no one waiting for you at the bottom of the elevator. It dings, the gate opens, and there's a straight shot towards the door that leads out of this apartment building and out to the hustle and bustle of the main streets. As soon as he sees there's no one waiting, Raphael will cover up the pistol with uh, with his duster. Mm-hmm. I command Wybert to walk next to um, Raphael, and then I scooch back a little bit to Saruk. Saruk, you're very tall. Thank you. I heard you're a good cook, is it true? I do what I can. I... It's just kind of like a slow pause. As we get out, uh, Saruk puts his hand like on top of his mace to like idly rest it on the top of it where like the, the pointy bits are. Let's just say we find talents in odd places. You're uh, in Orkish. You're Kogak's daughter, right? In Orkish, I say, uh, yeah. Have you met my father? No, just heard of him. I haven't been here long, but that was step one, you know? Find who's gonna patch me up if I, like, reflexively take my other hand up to, like, shoulder. Uh, should I catch a bullet or whatever else is thrown out here? <laughs> or I sniff the air or develop the black lung? This city is <laughs> a lot of things. Clean is not one of them. No, it it grows on you, though. Or grows inside you. Oh. I've survived so far. Ruffy has survived so far. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, that's Ruffacue, by the way. Mm, right. You I, too ju- I just hear I just hear words and then my name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're not talking shit about you, Ruffy. Just wanted to let you know, and that that's why, but my Robert. It's all right if you are. Love you too. You two are. I hold up two fingers and intertwine them to imply together. I heard something when I first got into town about how you, not at Reficule, broke someone's jaw about saying something about her. I don't want to presume, but I figured you ought to know that's the word on the street. That is completely ridiculous. Completely, completely ridiculous. You broke someone's jaw for me! I did not. I did no such thing. It was his hand, that. not his jaw. Oh, uh-huh. what was this? No, no, you don't have to tell me that now. But, uh, don't know what, uh, don't believe everything you hear, Tusks. There's just a, a smile and nod. Fair enough. But you know, you know what I heard about, like, Halbrand, though? He's so quiet. I don't know if he's ever going to reply if I even asked. But I heard that he apparently uh, comments the mana wastes and takes the things back and brings it over here. So I was wondering maybe he brought in some magic or some, some tools that I could use for maybe one of my inventions or place it on Wyber. Reficule immediately looks towards Anita's pockets to see if they're bulging a little more than when we started <laughs> this. <laughs> no. No, not yet. Actually, yes, there's a book there. 
one of the hollowed out books. Yeah. So this is either the longest hallway ever in existence, or you guys have spilled this conversation <laughs> onto the street as you're making your yes. way to the next apartment building, which I mm -hmm. assume is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we crossfade uh, towards a uh, sort of apartment building. The dimly lit hallways of this building stands as a counterpoint to the previous apartment building you just came from. Loud voices fighting can be heard through the walls, and a loud, loud bang reminiscent of a gunshot echoes from somewhere above you. The lack of reaction from those around that you can see tells it all. Outside on the street, you see children playing. A thick layer of grime shows no effort to clean in recent years. A person outside with deep red lips smiles as he tries to sell you a vial of something he calls sap. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you guys, so you, yeah, you push him and then I'm just going to glare at him as we walk by. Probably okay. same. Yeah, and then he just kind of like disappears like back into the shadows, right? Um, you find yourself eventually in the apartment building. It's not as tall, right? It's, it's only like a short squat apartment building. You find yourself outside the door of the address matching the young woman in the picture that Hal Brent found. The place from the outside looks like the rest of the building, left behind by the nonstop movement of time. A layer of grime covering a once pretty exterior. Should we knock? Maybe Aren't she's in here. I figure Sir walks forward and knocks. Might be a bit more polite than knocking the door down. Yep. So there's a knock, knock, knock. Who does the knocking? Like, who's going to be doing the talking? Uh, Saruk will volunteer unless anybody wants to. I'll be right next to the Saruk in, in case, like, a woman's touch is needed okay. for this lady. So there's, like, a knock. You knock and wait, right? The door partially opens after a few moments, after, like, a beat a little bit too long. And you see the door, like, cracks open just enough to give... A space for a woman to appear, concealed mostly by the door. A lit cigarette hangs from her lips as she gives you a look over from head to toe. And it's quite a look, right, for Saruk especially. And then side eyes at Anita. There's no doubt seeing her that she's the same woman in the picture. But it's clear that some amount of time has passed since it was drawn. She takes a large puff from her cigarette and exhales it towards you in a cloud of smoke. Yeah? Uh, help you with something? Yes, we're looking for someone. Can we ask you a couple questions? It depends. You got something for me? Worth Make it worth my time? Are you with the police? No, the shield no. marshals? No, 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 no. Far from. We're freelancers, I think is the best word. I don't have anything for you. I'm sorry, I'm new around here. Maybe I look down at Anita. Maybe my companion has something. We won't take more than a moment of your time. Why don't you try to uh, make an impression for me? This would be a diplomacy role, Saruk. Oh, I'll try to make an impression for you. I presume this is still uh, pursuant to pursuing It is. Lead. It is, because you're here directly connected to the lead that you're pursuing, so for sure. I'm going to say pursuance. She's pursuing so much over the next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey! Hey! First 
natural 20. Natural 20. Let's see those crits in chat. Crits in chat, everyone. We haven't gotten updated art yet, but in the meantime, feel free to use Nulara crits in chat. We'll get some updated art. We'll get Sarut crit in chat eventually. Uh, so, she seems a little hesitant, but as she like looks you over and as she side-eyes the group of you, something about your approach and your demeanor gets through her hard exterior and... Alright, come in. And she opens the door and lets you guys in. She has to like close it and undeadbolt the like chain and then open it so you guys can kind of move in. And as she opens it and you get a full view of her for the first time, you notice that uh, basically her um, the right arm is completely missing. And she wears a sort of clockwork replacement arm that functions like a normal arm, but occasionally it's like loud and occasionally you hear it like get jammed or stuck and she has to kind of force it through so she kind of pulls you all into her apartment as opposed to the last one which had multiple rooms this is literally like a studio there's no ice box there's like a bed in the corner newspaper trash old food everything and just tons of empty bottles litter this place as she kind of lets you all in and closes the door if you all come in or just Saruk and Anita I don't know no go yeah, I would, I would, if Anita's going in, Refugee follows. Okay, so you all follow. She clicks it behind you. Why is she, there? Just she holds out her like pack of smokes and offers you guys one. I just pull my hand up, shake my head. Refugee takes one. Yep. No, no, thank you. She lights a new one for herself off her old one and like sits in the chair, crosses her legs. What can I do for you? We're looking for someone by the name of Aldo Stubb. You wouldn't happen to know where we could find him, would you? Aldo, Aldo, that's a name I haven't heard in a long while. Sorry. Although, you know, me and him had a thing. He was good for a while. Gentleman, smart. Knows how to treat a lady right, if you know what I mean. And she makes eye contact with you, Anita, and like, does her like eyebrows up. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. He was terrible with money. He had a gambling problem. Always blowing his savings on card games. One time, he showed up drunk in the middle of the night and said, we have to go right away, right now. When I protested, he he told me it was for my safety. Stops. I hold up in some rundown tavern. The Iron Bells, I think it was over into Strati Heights. Sprung for the nice suite, too. That's just the way he is, like I said. Bad with money. Even hiding out, he wanted to do it in style. Anyhow, a few days later, he gaslit me about the whole thing. Said I was overreacting. Just wanted to get away for a bit. I told him we were through. That was that. Haven't seen him since. So this whole time, Saruk is listening and nodding. I don't want to huck these at you every sentence, but I would like to sense motive. Of course, yeah. Feel free to go ahead and make a sense motive check here. Alrighty, do you want that blind or... You can send it blind, yeah. You, you, uh, that way you'll get the hang of it. So uh, when did you say, see you later to this guy? Was it like last week or last month or yesterday? Uh, Saruk, you don't get the impression that she's being cagey at all. You feel 
feel like, if anything, you're dredging up like kind of painful memories from her past. But as she's speaking, you can tell that she's thinking upon these bad memories in an oddly fond way. And she looks back at you like, oh, probably two, two and a half years. Mm. We went together for about three. Can I ask? I'm not a cop. No, no, no. <laughs> How did you find me anyways? Had this uh, poster pinned up in his place. Still smelled fresh, so maybe it was just strong. She holds her hand out and asks if, like, like she wants to, like, hold it and look at it. Hands it to her? Yep. She takes it and she looks it over, and as she's staring at it, you can see that she tries to, like, subtly wipe, like, a little tear from her eye. Aldo had this. Yes, he had it. I didn't think I meant that much to him. Hands it back to you, right? Hold my hand up. You can keep it. I don't need it. She takes it and kind of folds it in her lap. She's like, not once did he try to reconcile. You know? Smokes her cigarette. Like, I don't know what's up with that guy. Could have been doing it to save you or protect you, based on what you're saying. Have you noticed, while you guys were together... If maybe he mentioned anything about people looking for him, formulas. I mean, he worked out at the firework factory. He had access to a lot of that. He, he's not much of a chemist, so to speak. He's more of a... He wasn't the brains of the operation is more what I'm trying to say. You know? What is he then? Who's the brawny type? The carriers? The muscle he would mix the chemicals that others told him to do. And he has some skill at putting together and very meticulous with his precision. But no, nothing about formulas. I mean, the only thing, like I said, gambling problem. Owed people money quite a bit. So when you say gambling problem, you mean you tell me uh, like he would be down there every day of the week or every other day of the week or five days a week it was more of a binge situation you know he'd he'd blow everything he had like lose every penny he had and start building a new nest egg and inevitably he couldn't help but fall back into those traps he'd disappear for a couple of days take all the money he had and come back owing somebody money it was just a just a constant cycle she like realizes that she's holding like a cigarette that's like stopped, like it's already burned out, and she hasn't even been smoking it. I'll offer to light her cigarette. Mm-hmm. While you two are together, um, did you know? <laughs> well, I was like, well, have you noticed if he were by any chance religious? Oh, we saw a book that was out of place in his apartment. Oh yeah, I mean that was one of his big pastimes. He'd always volunteer at the summer camps. Oh, he'd teach the Zumba classes at the temple. Zumba? I mean, he always called them Doomba. Doomba. You're right. But no, no, nothing nothing like that. Uh, he, he would go out to the gunworks every summer and fight, defend the gunworks from the raids. I mean, not every year, but yeah, he's... Him and his religious beliefs, I mean, they... they they're all about protecting their community and being strong-willed and being able to fight. It wasn't... Yeah, I mean, 
those those religious uh, not really my style but something he was very passionate about got his gun works often just in the summer i mean the the temple would organize summer retreats you'd go out spend about three four weeks if a raid happens you would defend otherwise it was just a good time with the buddies i, I went with them one time bunch of zealots not really my thing i don't speak dwarvish so hmm. didn't didn't get any raids from them giants out there while oh, you yeah. were there from what i understand he had quite the body count Refugio's gonna look around for a moment all right well none of you are gonna say it what happened to your arm <laughs> I was going to. I was going to offer her to, to oil it up. Sort <laughs> nods at the offer to fix the thing. <laughs> yeah, my WD-40 out of my bandolier and just... I can't fix the shite. I just want to know what happened. Do you want to actively try to fix it, Ash? She'll let you work on it if you insist, Anita. May I? By the way, this is very amazing. Yeah. You can go ahead and make a crafting check and please don't critically fail your craft. Hot topic um, of the Pathfinder 2nd Edition world right now. I would like to aid. Okay, Yay! perfect. So, Saruk, you are going to aid. Um, in this case, right, like, are you using crafting? How, how are you using some kind of skill? Why are you aiding Anita in this check? How am I aiding Anita in this check? I suppose I will also use crafting just like not necessarily looking over her shoulder and um actually her but just like passing over the various tools cleaning off things so on and so forth yep so you make a dc 20 crafting check to aid in anita's and that'll either give a circumstance bonus or penalty to anita depending uh so that's Eight. it's not enough to give a penalty but no bonus so anita can make the roll as a straight roll and as they're working on this right but no, 16 crafting is decent, right? It's it's a it's basically just not been maintained properly. She doesn't have the tools or the care to like clean it, and it's just gotten gunked, right? She's got the black lung in her arm. So with a little bit of care, oh you're able to spend, <laughs> you know, 10, 20 minutes cleaning it, just giving it a good cleaning, and it, it'll eventually, by the end of the conversation, be working nice and neat for her, right? Uh, but as you're doing this and working on it, she's answering right Ruficule's questions, and it's just like, work accident. Now she's Irish. Work accident. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I, uh, machine exploded my arm. Got taken with it. No big deal. Right, I mean, working in one of the factories then. Sorry? Working in one of the factories then? Ah. Uh, well, used to. Before my accident. Got, uh, got this arm. Workers' comp. You know, I got a good union, so they were. Replace my arm, and well, now I just try to dull the pain. She, like, reaches over for, like, a, a bottle that's, like, almost empty. Like, pretty much empty, and she's just, like, taking the last little drop she has out of it. To be frank, it may not hurt so much if you just maintained it every day. You just, here, I'm gonna leave you. This is a vial of oil. Just put, just dab a little bit of it on maybe a napkin that you have, or rag. Doesn't matter if it's dirty. Just and then just go through the nicks and crannies of your arm, the hinges, the gears. You know you're a dwarf. She listens. She listens to it and, and does that. She's not actually a dwarf. She's a human. You were with the dwarf. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. She she listens to what you say and she 
she makes it seem like, yeah, she'll, she'll definitely take care of herself from now on. And well, if you need more help, like, medicine-wise, my dad is one of the alley doctors near the, um, I forgot something, district. His name's Kojak. Just look for him. The, does he know how to have some hookups? Like drugs. No, he's a decent man. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, thanks for the arm. It's actually nice and quiet. It's not clanging. It's not loud anymore. It's just nice and smooth. She is very appreciative of it. She says, now, how might I ever repay you? And she smiles. You, uh, got any more of that liquor? If I did, I would have drank it myself. But uh, I have something nearly as sweet. Sir just kind of like holds his hand up. That's, that's I know. fine. <laughs> yeah. She like uncrosses her legs very like slowly and then recrosses them the other way. I'll walk out of the room. <laughs> that's how walking out. Yep. <laughs> so I think everyone leaves and then like, uh, I guess that would make like Ruffy kill the last one out, right? And she's just like, got the I'll put out my cigarette. I'll say, ma'am. Oh, sorry. I'm uh, wrong accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep your head up. You might not have your arm, but you should go out your life. And uh, put out the cigarette. Thank you for the smoke, ma'am. You have a good day. And I'll go to give her a high five. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, very awkwardly does, like, like the high five, like, slow motion, like, confused as you, like. All right. Yeah. And then, like, you hear the door, like, closed and then deadbolt, like, chain behind you guys as you leave. There's a child nice crying lady. somewhere down the hallway through the walls, right? And uh, loud arguing from, like, somewhere else in this building. Based on our story, I don't. Do you guys think that the the temple is even a good lead? I mean, it could just be part of his, you know, everyday life. Unless we're planning on holding up there till the summer. No, I yeah. think the hellhole is probably our best bet. Yeah, so we'll cross it out. Yeah. Reficule takes his hand off his hip, that it's been there the whole time they've been talking with her. Like on his left hip, just kind of near there. Kind of just finally relaxes it. Honestly, I wasn't listening till I asked her about her arm, so whatever you all say. Fair enough. <laughs> I suppose someone here knows which way to the hellhole, yes? I could lead us there. <laughs> Not a fan of gambling halls, Saruk? Gonna call yeah. you Sir? <laughs> no, let's just say I'm a, I pantomime turning out my pockets. I don't feel like making bad decisions and burning up my savings account. Hmm. Or is it because you're a bit of a goody two-shoes? What are you implying? Keep on the right side of the law. I do what I can. Bold words coming Bold. from a friend of the Shield Marshal Deputy, Angelique Loveless. That's you, right? I've known Angelique for a little while. Done some work. Good I thing see. you're not a shield marshal. This one here might shoot you down in high noon. <clears throat> and they're right. Reficule. Reficule doesn't say anything. He's just staring at how. I'll adjust his hat down a little bit over his eyes and start heading out. I'm going to trust that you had a good reason for doing that. I don't know a lot about the law around here, but and just kind of let it trail and follow behind Hal. 
I'm still looking at his pockets. Anything jotting out? Just a sword. Is it a magical sword? It is not a magical sword. It's a a long sword, but a bit curved. Almost like it might be a falcata or maybe a wide cutlass. I elbow Ruffy on the... uh, I I elbow Ruffy and say, (laughs) He called you a shield marshal. That's so off the mark. Reficule, you see him just eyes narrowed, white knuckled right now. Ruffy, I don't... No, not him. So far, I don't feel any... You're right. Hello. (coughs) He called you a shield marshal. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Of course, of course, you are. You're always fine. Well, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and walk towards the hellhole. Yeah. Did you hear? Tusks has a savings account. He does. <laughs> How much do you think he has? I don't know, Mister Mister High and Mighty over there. You know, I heard. I've I've only heard good things about him. They said that he's a good cook. He's a good person. He's a good person to work with. So far, so I good. Haven't heard much. I'll take your word for it, Annie. Mm-hmm. All right. Why, but? Right along, right? So we, so we cut over, right? The camera shows the side of the cliffs, right? The hell-falling cliffs. It's a large, in the background, right? There's a large 400-foot-tall waterfall tumbling down in the background, making it very loud and hard to hear properly. So the closer you get to the hell-falling cliffs, the harder it is to converse without talking very loud to your, like, companions, right? It's hard to hear. Staircases and haphazard structures descend down the 400 feet of cliffs towards the water where small docks exist to do trade with the dozens of ships in the harbor. Three large ships are currently being lifted up the waterfall via the screw, and the loud clanging of metal can be heard over the rushing water as it just descends higher and higher, raising these ships in a very amazing piece of engineering. Eventually, as you make your way down, a medium shack with a large, gruff-looking bodyguard comes into view. He's openly wearing a thick club at his hip, arms crossed as you walk towards him. You look over the edge of the wooden slats, easily 200 feet, down to the water below and for a moment can't help but wonder how many people he's tossed in his days and he's just looking at you guys as you guys are kind of approaching now and this this is the place that one of you has I don't know who who would be the most likely to have been here before or heard about it at least I know Saruk knows about it this is the inn that we're going to right this is the uh, the gambling hall right is that where you guys are going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the underground we gambling hall. This yeah. is the gambling hall. Okay. Okay. Uh, Reficule probably would have would have been there a few times. Okay, so you would have definitely have like kind of led the charge to know exactly where it is, right? So the the sort of bouncer standing outside the door, hard eyeing you guys as you approach. What would you guys like to do? I'll drop back and let Refi take the lead on this one. If it's yeah, obvious, like I know where I'm going. Do I know this bodyguard? No. This in this case, this is somebody you are not intimately familiar with. Would I know the etiquette to get into the gambling hall? Make a 
society check or underworld lore if you have it. I don't know exactly what you have. I do. Everyone's got underworld lore. <laughs> Wasn't it ranked as like highly, highly recommended? Ooh, look at that roll. That is a twenty-two. That is not bad. So this is this is primarily a members-only club. You have to pay a sort of fee to even be allowed in here. And you can get in if you're a guest of someone, but without a sort of membership ID of some sort of them knowing who you are, it's really hard to get in here. So your best bets are to either bribe your way in, you know, fight your way in, or, you know, iron, like you, your mind goes back to the poker ship you have. You have valid currency for this establishment. That might suffice as your entry. Yeah, so I'll, uh, on the way over, Tusks, can I see that ship for a moment? And without saying, I can pull it out, hand it over. So as you're, you get the chip right, you come over and say, hmm. Yeah. Members only. I'll walk over. Samuel! Samuel, my old friend. How you doing there, lad? Uh, invite only. Very simply, like, stated. Sammy boy! Don't you, don't you recognize your old friend here? Come now, here, I'm here to drop a bit of coin. The old man wouldn't, wouldn't want, uh, wouldn't want, uh, chance to miss out on this hard-earned money now, would he? Do me a favor, make an impression here. I make a deception check <laughs> I think this this is definitely trying to change his demeanor more than it's trying to trick him about something. Uh, so I, this is definitely going to be a uh, make an impression roll, a diplomacy roll. Alright then. That's a 13. Okay, 13. It's not bad. But this is so. This is a trained bouncer, right? This is somebody who is very used to all these kind of shenanigans. So as you're trying to kind of come up and smooth your way in, and and he's seen like the different tricks around the thing. I think in this moment, you watch as he like immediately like you see him like going in this instant to like pull the giant like club off his hip and just smack Reficule on the head. So at this moment, I think we're gonna go ahead and roll initiative for the first time. What? Ruffy's like up close and the rest of you guys are sort of back a little bit, right? Keeping an eye on things. Let's go first combat. No big deal. You are on a 200 foot tall cliff over the the giant lake, so don't fall over the edge unless you have something. (laughs) Right? So I'm going to (laughs) switch over to our battle scene for the first time showing it to the audience. It looks like Jason Momoa. Oh, <laughs> from from afar. So this guy is right now. He's basically about to uh, take a swing, right? And everyone sees this coming. So everyone here is going to roll perception for their initiative roll. So I can make sure you guys are all on the the tracker. Yep. And I will roll initiative for our bouncer. Our uh, cams might be. Oh into- wow, you're right. How did I not notice that? Oh, it's just you. Anita, you look so different. Wow. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. So, I go to college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bunch of lizards in me pockets. Is <laughs> <laughs> pursuing to pursuing a weed? <laughs> Um, if can can a pursuer lead a plight or an initiative check? If so, yes, absolutely. I think so. Uh, 
I'll check it later. There, I got the I got the camera. We, we are definitely pursuing a lead in everything we're doing right now. So right, you're on on a mission, right? So glad I played an investigator. At the ten first of uh, right. kill did you did you roll? Not yet. Oh, okay, perfect. Look at that! You got the drop on. That's the... a twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three. The bouncer got an, uh, a seventeen. How... So so he goes for his club, but he's slow, and you've been in the situation plenty. We're gonna start the encounter. So first up, Reficule. All right. Well, as being a pistolero. Part of my initiative, I, I see him reach for the club, uh-huh. and I immediately throw back my duster and pull out my dueling pistol, and I immediately take ten, ten steps back yep. from him. Now, does it say you stride or step, or how does it work? Uh, let me double check. We got an attack of opportunity. Now it's level one. Ten paces. Ten paces. You can step up to 10 feet as a free action. Yeah, so it wouldn't even trigger opportunity attacks. Perfect. Yep. Not that he has one in this That's case. I just wanted to know for future reference. Yep. So, Good to know. So you stride, you get away from him, pistol drawn, all as part of rolling initiative. What would you like to do? I'll, uh, I mean, he's got a club, so I'll look him dead in the eye and I'll say, is this job really worth your life, mate? either let us in or take a tumble down the falls. Guessing this is almost like a demoralize. Is, is intimidate different than demoralize? Is it the same No, skill? it's it, I mean, you have to do I believe you have to do an intimidation check to to demoralize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. I but, mean, so it, it's demoralize is the check, right? It's a demoralized check. Yeah. And that and that's kind of driven by intimidation rules. So yeah, go ahead and make that. You know what? With the gun drawn and you being this fast, I will give you a plus two circumstance bonus. You got the drop on this dude. Beat him in initiative and pull the gun on him, like quick. Alright, plus two circumstance bonus. I will take it. I will take it. Nice. Wow. That's a twenty-seven. Okay, Damn. well that that's my is best friend. Definitely a critical success. So, so in one deft motion, you, you basically make him a yeah. Chris in chat for that one definitely. Critically, seats immediately put him at like a frightened two condition, right? Just from from being scared to death of the gun, and that's so that's your first action of the turn. You still got two actions. I'll hold. If he makes any aggressive movements, I'm gonna shoot him right between the eyes. Okay. Very cool. All right. That'll bring us to Halbrand. I think Halbrand's gonna move up to here. Louisiana. Take off his hat and pull out his coat pistol from underneath his blanket. Okay. And I'll poke my head around the corner and I'll aim at him. And I'd say, listen to the lad. It's not worth it. Uh, do you want to make an intimidation check, a coercion check as well? Sorry, demoralize check as well. Mm. I mean, you have you have an action. You might as well just make it official, right? Yeah, I'd say That's, yeah. Go for it. Um, can I aid Reficule? You want to hold like hold your uh, your action to aid him in some way? How are you going to aid him? I would probably uh, 
when it comes around to that person's turn, tell them uh, whatever you're going to do, don't do it. And I want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll allow it. So, in light, because you know, next next up in initiative is is the bouncer, right? So, in light of everything that's gone on, the critical success on the intimidation check, two guns being drawn on him, everything you said about is your life worth this or not? I think, you know, he he goes for the club and as he's gonna pull it out. He stops, takes his hands like off his club, puts his hand up, and just takes like ten feet, ten steps back, away to the edge of the building. And just sort of like gives you the nod to go ahead and go in. I'll uh, twirl the pistol if we're if we're out of initiative. Well, I mean, Saruk and and uh, Nita have a okay, chance yeah. here if you guys want to do anything or let the situation diffuse. Kill him. Viper <laughs> <laughs> <Do laughs> <it>. attack. Why <laughs> but so hungry for blood? You'd be up next in initiative, Anita. So. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna command Wybert to take in what was it again? One action for two actions, right? So I'm gonna spend one action to give him two actions. Okay. And he will stride right in front of the bouncer. Okay. And just stay there. Oh. And then yeah, so just to block him. And now, uh Anita Yo. I have to know personally, Wybert, right? We know he looks like a little walking robot thing. Does he have like What's his dangerous implements? Is he, like, holding something menacingly at the bouncer here? Like, what does it look like? He could sort of, like, reload his arm like this, and then it'll shoot out like an arm, uh, like a saw. Okay. Yeah, but there's, like, a wrench on the other side. <laughs> okay. I just had to visualize <laughs> it. Thank you for painting that picture. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Anita will... Nope, never mind. She doesn't have any actions left. Oh, wait, no, she does. Yeah. Two. Oh, geez. And so... Looking at both Halbrant and Ruffy, she'll nod at these two fine men and then walk towards the door. Ladies first. And Saru. Good job, Ruffy. So I suppose as the, the bouncer is, like, backing off, there's a very solid, yeah, I didn't think you were gonna look in Saru's eyes <laughs> as he takes his hand off his mace and heads on in. Perfect. So? You guys diffuse the situation, you talk down the bouncer, you use your words and your threats and not your, um, you know, not your... Guns! Fists. Guns, right. You guys did it fairly diplomatically in a threatening way, but still diplomatically nonetheless. So I am impressed with you guys. Congratulations. So I t- twirl the pistol back into the holster as I walk by him and, uh, I flick the, the chip for a moment, up, and then catch it. Just want to spend a bit of coin, lad. That's it. Right. And then I walk in. Yeah. Flick it away. Flick it away. Nice. Okay, so as you push your guys' way into the gambling office, and I think Anita was the first one to kind of go through, right? You push through the doors. Inside of this gambling den looks cramped. As you mentioned earlier, it's still fairly mid-afternoon, right? It didn't take that long to get here, so it's probably like just after lunchtime. As the door behind you swings closed, the loud waterfall is muffled, and immediately you feel the relief upon your ears. Two card tables sit at opposite corners of the building, while at the far end sits a cage with a bored-looking woman working in it. Only one of the two tables has an active game of cards going on. The players seem to be playing some form of triples, as the locals know it, 
which is a card game you play against the house. The players um, are sitting here. There's three players around a, and a dealer all on the table with uh, stacks of chips and two empty seats at the table. And as you guys step in, the dealer smiles and waves at you the inner and motions for you guys to come take a seat. And the cage on the other end of the room lets you trade your money in for chips if you'd like to gamble. It's very dimly lit, right? The, the There's windows, but the shades are drawn, so there's just the dimmest light in here. Reficule puts his hat down a little bit lower. I'll sit in one of where the dealer is. I'll sit at the table where the dealer is. Okay. So you sit down, and then the dealer is is like, oh, do you do you have a bet, money to bet, chips? Not at the moment. I'm not much of a gambling woman. However, I do love a drink. Do you have any? If you've got coin, we've got drink. Looks sure. Like How much is it? Free, so long as you're gambling. Ah, they're over there. He looks towards the three of you guys, like, there. The woman in the cage, right, as she sees you guys come in, kind of unsure about protocol, she she's, she seems to at least sense that you guys are somewhat new to this this place, maybe not Reficule. Um, And she, like, sits up like she's ready to, to change your money for chips. You look over, Nina. Sorry. You look over, Anita... <laughs> And all of the other people all have stacks of chips that look pretty similar to the one that you guys had found back in the apartment. All right. Um, They're playing a game where, like, the, the dealer has, like, a pile of cards in the front of them. And then the other players all have... It looks very reminiscent to Blackjack. And they seem oh. like they just finished a hand and they're getting ready to deal in. And if you want to bet, they want you to either get out of the seat or put money down. I'll put out uh, two silver and have it exchanged for uh, chips. Okay, yeah, so you have you get up from the table and move your way over to the cage, right? And the, the woman in the cage, she smiles, and as you approach, she puts on her fake customer service happy face. And she's like, what can I do for you? I'd like to have this, um, <laughs> that Irish accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd like to have this changed for, um, for chips. Sure, sure. Right, you slip, uh, you slip in the coins, right? And uh, she responds by giving you back, you, you give her the two silver, she pushes two house chips you know, in silver denomination. She's, she asked if you want them in silver denomination or, like, copper denomination. Uh, one silver, and if you could uh, exchange the other silver for copper, I would sure. really appreciate it. So she gives you ten copper chips and one silver chip. And you can take your small pile back and take a seat. So while Anita's doing this, what are the rest of you guys doing? I think so. What is the chip I have? It's a silver piece chip. I think Saruk is gonna just like head on a swivel. Is there anyone who's reacting? I assume everyone is some kind of some kind of way about four very large, very armed people walking in. But is there anyone like who stands out? Slash, is there anyone who looks like the person we're like chasing after? Right. There doesn't appear to be any dwarves, especially not any redheaded people in this place. It doesn't look like either one of these. Give me actually, give me a perception check. We'll see what you pick up. As you know, as this situation unfolds, can I look around as well? Yeah, go ahead and give me a perception check to you. You guys are just on head on a swivel. Fifteen. Fifteen. Definitely no redheaded dwarf in here. Seventeen. 17. I think uh, the one that picks up a little bit here is Hal. After Anita like steps up and like exchanges the chips, you almost look like there's a moment where the the person, the woman working the cage, was 
expecting something else and then had to shift into the customer service phase. Like something is a little off. Like she expected something different to happen with Anita in that interaction. Besides that, there's no one here. They don't seem like Saruk and Hal. No one seems like really concerned that you guys walked in armed and stuff. Like it seems pretty par for the course here. Uh, the two gamblers, the only other two people in this place, sorry, the three gamblers are the only people other than the, the person working the cage and the dealer. And they are so focused on their cards and their drink in front of them. They barely glanced your way as you walked in. They just are really impatient that Anita's holding up the next hand. I'll uh, refuel. Look over. All right, Tusk Whiskers. I got us in the door. You get can follow the leads and head over to Anita give her the silver chip Annie you got money for a drink yes do you want one I, I asked for one but she made me want to get chips so I got these right I'm not interested in playing just want a drink all right she well, will... I don't know how to play she'll ask as she hears you talking like oh what what can I get you the drinks are for players only I'll have a whiskey. What the last said. So while this hand's unfolding, she's in the back pouring the drink, and she'll eventually bring the whiskey out and put it in front of you, Anita, but not Ruffy Kill, because he's not the one gambling, right? I hand it to Ruffy. Yeah, you can you can be the one that hands it out. That's fine. <laughs> but as this unfolds, right, you're sitting here. How much are you, like, the dealer's, like, impatient, like, uh, ma'am, how sorry, much Sorry, sorry. Well, I would bet all of these 10 copper. Have you ever gambled before Anita, right? Refikul, I'm sure you understand this game. Does Anita understand this game? No. Perfect. She'll learn to count cards. Yep, the dealer to you basically gives you... She's, he starts shuffling the deck and starts placing cards face down to you and all the other three players, right? And then himself. There's three rounds where you guys are each dealt a card three times and the dealer deals two of his cards face up and one card face down so you can't see what his last card is and so can you do me a favor anita and give just roll me 3d6 because all the cards in this deck are numbered one through six okay we'll see if refugio like in your ear teaches you how to play because anita has no idea what's happening and neither does audience uh a six a three and a four okay so those are the three cards you are dealt a six a three and a four you look to your side and there's like the other players. They're kind of like, they're not like secret, right? All the, the things are face up. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll, I'll roll for the other players too, right? So the other player has a two fours and a six. One player has a one, a three, and a four. And then the last player has a one, a four, and a six. And then the dealer, right? The dealer only has two cards showing and one face down. So the two you see showing are six and a two. So the dealer's showing eight. So the game stops. All this is happening. You look in a fluster. You're trying to figure out what's going on. The dealer looks to you and asks if you want to hit. Don't want to hit. I mean, what number am I aiming for here? The refugee, I mean, you know the, the aim here is closest to 21 without going over. Right? And how many rounds? Uh, as many hits as you want, right? The dealer has the dealer has to keep taking dice until they hit 18 or higher. Once the dealer hits 18 or higher, they have to stop. If you beat the dealer, you win. You double your money. You definitely want to hit. I 
I'll hit. All right, roll the d6 for me. So there are two special types of, of hands here, Ruffy, that can win you big money, and this is why it's called triples. If you win, if you roll three of a kind, that's a triple, and you automatically win without having to beat the dealer. And if you win with a triple, you get triple your payout. However, there's the big hand, right? That's what's known as a full house. That's rolling 21 with a 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. In that case, you get 10 times your payout. So, we have a 2 again. on top of your 13, so you're sitting at a 15 for uh, Anita. Although she has no idea what's happening, right? She doesn't know the logic of this game. One more loss. I'll hit again, dealer. Alright, roll that dice. Another card comes out with a 2, putting you at 18. I mean, this is, this is hitting a little too close to home. I'd probably stay at this point. Okay. I feel like a little lucky at the moment. That's your coin. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not the one telling Kojak that you lost it, though. <laughs> I'll hit. All four. right. But the four comes out, bringing your total to 22. The dealer announces bust, sweeps up your card, sweeps up all 10 of your copper, and takes it into his hand, and then moves on to the next person in the line. And, and Anita has lost half her money up front. That's why it's called gambling and not winning it, Annie. And I swing down the whiskey. <laughs> Actually, oh, I was trying to see if I could talk to this person, and these people you, just... You were close there. to a triple. You only needed one more two, and you would have won, but... I could have won, I think. So anyways, uh, the rest of the hand plays out. Some of the people win, some loses. The dealer, you know, fidgets out the hand, you know, and you get at least a sense of how the game works, right? You still have two silver chips between the two of you. So one hand plays out. Uh for Hal and Saruk, who are not so much watching the gambling as they are reading the situation. What would you guys like to do at this point? I'd like to walk over to Saruk and uh, nod to him and kind of look at him along the, the floor and that uh, lady in the cage there, she uh, expecting something else when Annie went up there like some kind of hooting or something. But definitely not making change. I see. What do you think they're? What do you think they're on about? Judging by the look of this place, expecting something you don't want the law to find out. Something, unless Annie's up to something we don't know about. Sir shrugs. Uh, no, she's trying to charm the the dealer because mm-hmm. maybe she might get information from her. Oh, you want to like talk to the dealer about? Like, all right, what are you saying specifically when you talk to the dealer? Is it just making nice? Just trying to make an impression? Yeah, just making make nice like so it? that, yeah. You're not asking pointed questions or anything. You're just generally liking making No, not at the moment. Sure. Yeah. Give me a uh, make an impression check, a diplomacy check here. Diplomacy. That would be wow, uh, 21. Wow, you rolling good tonight. Uh, you, you move the dealer sort of like like the status goes from like neutral to like likable or favored so you're one step into friendship with the dealer as you play a hand um which is saying something considering you are terrible at this and the rest of the gamblers are really upset because they're trying to do the next hand and the dealer's like waiting for you to like place your bet and you're just making small talk despite all of that the dealer likes you and you like over the next hand you will have made a favorable impression with the dealer so do you want to play another hand here yeah, while she's um, shuffling the cards, I'll say, 
Uh, when will your next break be? Love to talk to you after this. Uh, breaks? Yeah, I mean, I could buy you a drink. Uh, are you going to buy me a drink or is it going to be on the house? Because... No, I will buy you a drink. I don't mind. I have money. How about we finish the money you have in front of you there with the chips? And then I'll take my break. All right. I all in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Two silver pieces, right? Go ahead and roll yeah. 3d6 for me here. Uh, she'll take another whiskey, though, before the sound is over. In, in the back, right? Yeah. The eye roll. <laughs> like, looking over to see how much money Anita's actually betting. 11. So two fives, that's pretty good. Two fives and a one. That's not bad. You know, starts pouring another whiskey, uh, begrudgingly. So yeah, so you get that. The dealer has showing double ones. That could be bad, because that's a good chance to roll another one and get triples and make you automatically lose. So, Anita. The turn God to you, in the, the first seat. telling me to hit. Okay. Roll. All right. Two. So that is a total of two it's fives, a one and two. Thirteen with two fives, a one and a two. Oh, You're not going to hit not. a full house. <laughs> hit indeed. <laughs> <laughs> hit. <laughs> hit me. Emotional damage. Emotional damage. I know. I know. What if she rejects me? That's free. Sixteen. Sixteen. You get a four or five. Or Come a on! Very invested mm. in this gambling minigame. A two! Oh, triples! That's the triple. So, like, you play that, suddenly the dealer is that triple, and you hear the guy at the end, like, oh, beginner's luck, right? Like, super angry that you won. No, shut the fuck up. I'm just better <laughs> than you. You have the two silver on the table, and then, uh, because you got triples... Uh, you get triple your money, so they push four silver over. You now have a total of six silver. And that wasn't the goal of me playing this, though. I wanted you to get on. Yeah, you still have money now, right? You've made it worse. <laughs> Double or nothing. Mm. And uh, and uh, yeah, the rest of the hand plays out, and uh, the dealer looks down like, "Well, looks like you got more money." Yeah, well, but I also don't have any more time. I have people with me here, and then I look around to see what Sirok and Halbrin are doing. And then get another glass for of whiskey for yeah, the whiskey comes over and puts it in front of you. Just just smiling at the bartender as like she, as Anita pushes the glass over to me. She's doing double duty as the cage girl and the bartender, right? <laughs> she's got a Oh, she's doing double duty, that's the cage person? Yeah, it's the same so she comes out of the cage to bring the drinks every time. It's a very mm, small, okay. quaint little gotcha. place. There's a dealer the only employee seems to be the dealer and the cage slash Bartender. And I think I would look over to Sruk. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out what I can. Be right back. Right behind you. Just, uh, phone set. Follow my lead. And I'll go over to the cage person and say uh, say somebody doesn't want to uh, gamble or drink or doesn't want to play with such low stakes. Is there something we can place we can go? Room in the back? Not we, me and my friend, not you and I. Where uh <laughs> Yeah. She Where, looks you know, around a little confused. She's like, there's there's no no back. And she looks... It's literally just a square box with, like, two tables and then this cage, right? There's there's no back room, right? Listen, I saw the way you looked at uh, Nanny over here. Like, what else? 
can I we do here? I thought I thought maybe you had other business here. The looks of you, I I just thought maybe maybe you were the contact. Are you the contact? And over from the side you hear like the dealer like taking my break. And then all the gamblers are like, God damn it! Like slamming their fists on the table because there's no dealer here at all anymore to left to the gamblers as like uh, Anita and the dealer like kind of take the break out on the, the balcony by the waterfall. That's happening in the background. Uh, Hal. All right. Well, looks like you're going to have to step in over there. So uh, once you're done, you might be the contact. They might need. Well, see that giant person behind me. There's contact. I mean, are you the contact or are you not the contact? Not me. Him. Sirik slowly nods. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a deception check. Oh, I will. I might even roll well, but I sort of. Oh, here goes nothing. Oh yeah, it's secret. Yeah. So so she looks at you like you nod slowly. And she, she squints and she looks at both of you as she now is pretty sure you're not the kind. And she, like, flows back and she's like, if you were the contact, you'd know the name. And then she kind of, like, lets her eyes drift away from you. Aldo? That sends her eyebrows up. And she, like, stops and turns and looks. Contact. You are the contact. She said, oh, so Ruthie did send you. I got the information she was looking and she asked for. She smiles and pulls a folded slip of paper from her pocket and puts it, like, on the table in front of her, held down by her hand, right? Five silver, as promised upon delivery. I just glance over to Hal. (laughs) 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 No, the party has any money! (laughs) Anita has six silver sitting in front of her in poker chips, by the way. (laughs) Hal walks over to Anita. Anita's leaving the room. So, Anita, what did you do with your poker chips? I left it with Ruffy. Okay, so Ruffy's holding six silver. Ruffy's just messing with them, making like you know, making the stacks and like shuffling them together. And... Hey, Ruffy, Saru oh, got yeah, a lead over here. Uh, it's going to cost us five silver. And seeing as how all those other Yahoos groaned over uh, your friend's winnings. Figure y'all might be up a little bit. Uh, five silver, and uh, we can get more information about this Aldo character. Right, with this Zani's money. You're going to pay her back, right? I'm not going to pay her shit. <laughs> you want the lead? Zani's money. You not want the lead. I can tell her that, yeah, Refi didn't want to pay for the lead, the information we're here for, so... You look over, right, Ruffy? And, and she's watching this conversation from behind the cage with her hand on the thing. You're pretty sure you might be able to just take it if you were... If you tried, right? You might just be able to snatch it from her. You hear kind of Refugee mumbling a little bit. And when he talks, he doesn't really open his mouth too much anyway, right? Cut two outside the bar, right? Like, on the, on the edge, loud waterfall. You're trying to have this moment with the, the, the dealer. You've... Ruin this poor gambling hall, right? You've turned it upside down. You're outside. There's a robot still holding the bouncer with a buzzsaw <laughs> at, at like, 
point, like just standing there, <laughs> making sure the bouncer doesn't do anything. And you guys are kind of leaning over the railing with the waterfall behind you, trying to have a nice conversation, but it's hard with the like pounding water, like <sighs> around you guys. What? She says. No, I was saying, you know, usually when I spend money on a lady, it's for something. So I was hoping if you know anything about Aldo. My elbow? Looks, looks no, better. No, I actually. <laughs> no. And then I lean in closer, like put my lips next to her ear and say, Aldo, do you know anything about Aldo? Uh, Aldo. Yeah. Yeah. I think he lost a lot of money here a few weeks ago. He was playing on house credit. Are you, are you his girlfriend or something? No. He's my uncle. He died. I'm here to pay my respects and figure out why he was here a lot in the first place. Oh, well, I think his debt was paid. I don't think it's, it's been taken care of. We're good. By who? I, I don't know. Who would know? What? You don't know? Who would know? You know, you're very cute. However, you just, you need to clean your ears a little bit. <laughs> this is the waterfall. The bouncer. And then I lean in closer to her again. Who paid for my uncle's debts? Oh, who paid? Uh, that's above my pay grade. I just steal the cards. Who do I go to? Uh, boss will be in tonight. Tonight? What's his name? Are you a member here? Yeah, I was in. I was playing. Right, but you're... I mean, you're very cute, too. I don't want to come off the wrong way, but, like... I don't think I'm supposed to be talking to you. I'm a paying member. I think, customer service-wise, whatever the customer says is right, so whatever the customer asks deserves an answer. So, who was the name of the boss? I'd love to meet him later. I need a Karen Ulysses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean uh, make Copy a Karen over here. <laughs> make a request. This is a this is definitely a sort of a uh, request uh, skill roll. So, I forget what it's called. It's called request. It's literally called request, right? This is a request from somebody that feels that you are at least you know, on good terms with, which you've done already with the earlier role. So, this would be a diplomacy check. Mary Chrysler. Nice. Wow. 22. You're very good at Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a success. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say this is actually a uh, critical success. Ooh. My boss is Akuz. Akuz Fithy. Runs this place. Akuz. Maybe, maybe if it's not too much trouble, you can come back when I'm off, sundown. We can go someplace a little quieter. Talk about it. The hand, her hand, like kind of. <laughs> yeah, she reaches out for your hand. You're like, sure. You just like walk away, right? Yeah, I kiss her on the cheek, like cheek to cheek. Got it. Thank you so you much. Turn, you turn around, past the bouncer still being held hostage by Wybert. Go into the bar, and we see. So, what would Reficule have? done in the time since the camera went outside. Eczema. Oh, shit. What would Annie want to do? She likes her money. She would want to get a lead. She did just win it. 
She's probably out there sweet-talking that girl. If she gets some, she wouldn't be too mad anyway. Alright, fine. But if she's pissed, I'm saying you you took it. I think... Yeah, how you get the money handed over to you. Yep. <clears throat> Thanks. I'll walk back over. Slide the money across the... Countertop. Takes, like, the five silver chips and passes the five... That's the slip of paper over to you. It's all folded over. Nice and small. I'll take it and... And it's Rook. You're the contact. I am the contact, and I'll uh, unwrap the thing and read it. Unfold, sure. I guess, yeah. You unwrap it, and it's very simple. It says, the Iron Bells, Ustradi Heights. I Which nod. Thank you. And it's the it. same sort of location that you connect the dots that his girlfriend had told you. Right? Uh, Norma was her name. I don't know if you guys actually asked her name. I don't know if anyone asked her name. Her name was Norma. And she's the no, one. No one did. <laughs> she, she dropped the same name, and that's where her and her and Aldo had gone and holed up last time he had to hide years ago. Iron bells. I, as we like step away from the person, that's that's the the very swanky over the top room where we go to hide out when we don't know mm. how to use our money. Anita comes back in at that point, and uh, the dealer like. Like, like the dealer's still outside, kind of behind you. Um, at the table, the gamblers see you, Anita, and one of them, like, spits on the floor and, like, glances in your direction and says, maybe it's best you and your friends hit the road. How about you win some and then... Reficule immediately stands up over the guy. No, 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 no. What Rafikula. was that, friend? Looks up at you. Laughs. Pulls his coat back, and you can see he's packing a, a firearm, just like a coat pistol on the inside of his jacket, too. I'll, un, I'll put my coat back and show my finely crafted, very expensive dueling pistol. The guy, like the two players in the middle of you two, like immediately recuse themselves from the table and back away, just clearing a spot between you and him as you guys like lock eyes. And there's like a beat here as like the whole like air gets sucked out of the room camera pans over the rest of you guys watching this unfold i'll step over as i'll try to get like behind the person who's like uh not refi but the other one i try to get on the other side of him Mm -hmm. all right that's enough Mm. i mean who are you to talk shit you you're the one that lost money maybe i should tell you not to come back he's got like a pretty sizable stack of chips in front of him well i won these uh, last two hands. Take your money and leave. And looks at you. You and your boyfriend. No. That's a big pile of money you got there, friend. You want to live to enjoy it, you apologize to the lady. That gets a laugh out of him. Nah, forget it, Ruffy. Ruffy. Four. Ruffy. Last, he like takes his coat. Puts it back over to like kind of tug his gun away, leans into the table and goes for his like whiskey and just starts drinking it. I'm gonna lean in over to him and say, You know what they say? A man can never outrun his demons. And I'm gonna lean back out. You always all notice there's like a visible pause as he like like finishes the drink. Like doesn't even finish, like stops, looks up at you, eyes you, eyes the eye patch, puts the cup down. Glances over at Anita. Uh, uh, apologies. I, I 
get a little hot in the collar sometimes. I'm, I'm on a losing streak. You know, you know how it is. Please. But it's good to see you can get yourself back together. I say louder than I am speaking. I imagine Saruk has the kind of build where it's like he, he has to speak real quiet because if he doesn't, his voice carries for miles. <laughs> yeah, that's and miles. so cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he seems to like. Uh, he's apologized now, and he looks back to to um, Ruficule with like wide eyes. That wasn't so hard now, was it, lad? Right, enjoy enjoy your night, enjoy your winnings. You have a good night, day. So. Uh, when we get time to, like, uh, get into a huddle, uh, I'd like to let the rest of the group... The last question is before you leave, right? You've got one mm-hmm. silver piece of this poker chip, right? Do you keep the poker chip? Do you cash it in for silver and take it with you? I mean, what are you doing with the one leftover poker chip? Do we come back halfway through book one and have a whole ass gambling arc where we break <laughs> the wealth economy? Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it. Okay. In case we for, need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Later for a coos. There you go. Okay. So you keep the poker chip. You can write that on your inventory for um, Anita. Just, you know, silver poker chip for the hell. And uh, yeah. So now you guys make your way outside. Do you have the conversation right outside under the loud waterfall, or do you leave the health, health on cliffs and go back to like, uh, you know, the Strati Heights? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, nothing's uh, wrong with my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> Anita, Karen, Anita, Karen, that's your name. Karen, Karen. Oh, that's what I said. It was my accent. A little. Little heavy from where I'm from, but uh, got a lead. Got a got a little bit of a lead that uh, leads us. Where they where they say Saruk up at the Hotty Toddy place? Where's that? Yeah, the, the Shoddy Heights, the Iron Bells, I believe. That's the one. Ruffy paid for the lead with your money. What? <laughs> you did, Ruffy. Look, Whiskers over there said we needed a lead, right? He said we needed five silver. I, you know bloody well I don't have five silver. And you, you look like you, you know, had a bit extra after talking with your lady friend. <clears throat> no, but I mean, I would have used that for. I was thinking of doing this. At, <laughs> well, I mean, if if we get this job done, then we all get ten gold to split between us. That's true. But that's still six silver. I could have bought some things with that. Uh, anyway, so you got... Was it worth it? The Oh, you got information. That's good. Um, Sir, just I also... Yeah, I also got information from the, from the lady, from the bartender. She said that apparently all of Aldo's debts were paid for already by the owner. Akuz, Fithy. And I don't know if if that means anything, of uh, if we want to talk to him or at least um, observe him, he'll he'll be here tonight. Is what she said. And since we have a silver mm. pocket chip, we could always come back. Uh, maybe you can ask your uh, robot to uh, let that man put his poor arms down. He's been up that way for oh, right, a little right. while. Right, right. Why, but come back. Well, uh, then he we'll be back uh, later at night to meet with Akuz. Good day. 
I think we'd probably head uh, towards the place that Saruk mentioned. But first, you gotta like ascend the Hellfallen Cliffs, right? The the like staircases and wooden things. It's just ramshackle. It takes. I mean, it took a good while to like descend, but the ascent is worse because now you're going fighting against gravity and walking up. And there's many places where there's no OSHA in Alkenstar, so to speak. So there's like very questionable design <laughs> choices here. So it takes a bit of time, and I think by the time you guys, after everything you've done, you get back to the top. We're probably a few hours from sunset. It's probably like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And you, actually, at the top of um, at the top of the Hellfallen Cliffs, you're not far from Ustradi Heights. Uh, did she only give the name of the hotel, or is there something that we have to look for here? I'll pull out the note and pass it over. It just says the Iron Bells, Ustradi Heights. No name, no contact, no room number, nothing like that. Uh, if anyone would like, you can give me a society check or underworld lore check based on this location. Maybe it's something you guys have heard of. You guys have not rolled low all night other than uh, I will say, other than Saruk's deception check there. We got a 7. Or that 6, which became a 14, but... Oh, there we go, 10. Had to happen eventually. Yep, neither one of you guys have even heard of this place. Not even enough to have misinformation, it's just not something that is on your radar. Hmm. I mean, should we should we go there blind? Do you should we look around the place for a minute, get a good hold, or maybe what to expect in there? I'm gonna wait a few hours. Sun's gonna go down. I can uh, slink around and take a look on the outsides and find out where the hell this place is at. I scout it if we could. <clears throat> I could do that. Seems wise. If you guys want to spend some time here, we can do a sort of gather information where you guys try to place it and figure out where it is and hit your mm. underground contacts and or just ask around, right? How do you guys solve this problem of finding the Iron Bells? I will be asking around, although as uh, quietly as I could. Sure. Yeah, you can give me a gather information check, which would be diplomacy. Unless you have some feat that makes it a different skill, as some of you do. Uh, that would be a 13. 13. Uh, the, the closest you get to an answer is like a strange look and a giggle. Is it like a brothel? I think I would find a, a shield marshal standing at a corner somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd move away from the group and say, give me just a second, I'll be right back. And I'll move towards the... Uh, shield marshal and uh, lean into him evening uh, been doing some work for Angelique uh, not now but in the past uh, can you give me directions to uh, hey what was that place Saruk I'll turn over Iron Bells Iron Bells given your reputation here I think with this name drop I'll let you go straight to the request phase you don't have to make any sort of like make an impression rolls so go ahead and make a diplomacy check here Graficule has put himself in a corner near an alley somewhere for a moment <laughs> oh boy it's a natural 20 natural 20 let's Ooh! see those crits and chill of 20 20 <laughs> <laughs> so a critical success with the natural 20 crits and chat uh yeah so the shield marshal here uh, 
tells you essentially where it is and the skinny on the the you know there's no holding back the iron bells is basically a brothel you know it's not illegal it's legal and there are it's regulated so you are pointed a couple of it's up and it's sort of heights it's not far from the actual cliffs they warn you that it, it was once a nice area but it's kind of fallen into decay over time and it hasn't been kept up so it wasn't always a brothel mm. but they've turned into a brothel to make ends meet um but it's not hard to find and with their directions you are able to pinpoint exactly where the iron bells is i'll look over my shoulder yep saruk you're on the right track and i'll uh, smile and follow the person's directions feels like hiding in an alley right and then the shield marshals would you like some yeah do would you do you need some assistance is this like a danger situation is this like legal matter no no just uh following following a bit of a lead trying to uh you know collect a bounty as it were you know kind of doing a little bit of work for the law that kind of falls underneath your station there's a, a dealer over here i gotta go deal with this and then the shield marshal like bids you a good day and goes to like deal with a sort of like skirmish happening down the street all right Un- uncocks the pistol <laughs> <laughs> I'm presuming at the very least it was obvious that Refi de-asked the area during that whole everything. So <laughs> as soon as Refi returns, look, I'm not one to judge and I'm not. <sighs> the shortest way to say it, is there anything we need to know about? Remember when I said you shouldn't believe everything you hear? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you should believe half of it. I see. Is that going to blow back on any of us? Shouldn't be. Hard to be wanted when you're dead. There's just a close of eyes, pinch of bridge of nose, keep walking. Hey, Ruffy. Thank you for not killing that guy earlier. It wasn't worth it anyway. Ah, right, it would have been a big deal. We would have had to shoot our way out of the whole place. Yeah. Maybe I had to shoot your lady friend, and that would have blown up your whole date. So. I mean, no, I don't... Eh, she was alright. I don't... She wasn't, you know, she's not like Maeve, but she's cute, I guess. But, but thank you for not killing that guy. Also, you know, I mean, next time, sometimes when... when, when I don't know. Just, I'm glad you didn't kill him. Because I don't know how to explain that to Kojak. Because the fact that we were just in a casino... Is even something that's unheard of for him. I mean, oh. some, sometimes, sometimes a person needs killing. I don't like, understand. I mean, if they do something really bad, yes. However, you know, if if someone is just disrespectful, I don't think that necessitates dying. You know, being murdered. If someone here, right. yeah. Okay, so disrespect. What do we do? Do we hit him then? I mean, you could, or you could just disrespect him back. I've learned. I mean, we've done this in our jobs. That you know, if you just humiliate them bad enough, they just shut up. You right. you humiliated I'm, I'm a him a lot. Still a bit confused. Just you you tell me when someone needs killing, and I'll kill him. It will, but not this right. one. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to them. 
So the rest of the group sort of reconvenes and we find ourselves. There's like that like tumbleweed crossfade as we find ourselves. Actually, instead of a tumbleweed, it's just like a clockwork motorcycle zoom zooms by and there's like a crossfade. And we're in front of the Iron Bells and set in a once prestigious section of the Estrade Heights. This saloon has seen better days. A two-story squat building in an area filled with more popular watering holes. The scantily clad streetwalkers trying to attract your attention on the porch reveals its current state of affairs. The sound of piano music drifts through the walls out to the street, through the click clacking of all of the gears and smokestacks around you, as you find yourself standing outside of the iron bells. I'll, uh, I think I would look to Reficule and say, uh, you ever been in one side of, inside of one of these, son? I've, uh, yeah, been in, been in them plenty. Hmm, I'm sure. Ever since, no. I was, ever since I was a kid. I'll look back to Saruk and say, you're the contact. Why don't you take our friend here for his first visit? Nods. After me, first time, and then on we go. <laughs> so yeah, so you cross uh, through the door into the building. This room was once clearly a very nice and extravagant, and yet the wear of time has caught up to this place. Broken floorboards, wobbly chairs, stained carpets all mar the intended visage. In the corner, a piano plays itself, its keys dancing along to the melody. Actual electric lights hang from the ceiling, the occasional dimming before correcting itself. A scruff man with a thick neck stands behind the bar, eyeballing you. A few of the workers perk, a wor- few of the workers here perk up as you enter, straightening their clothes and fixing the goods for display as they sit up in their seats. A young man tries to make eye contact and smile while a middle-aged orcish woman is more aggressive, or half-orcish woman, is more aggressive as she takes the lead and sort of approaches the party. May we help feed your appetites? As she's walking up, there's not a ginger-headed dwarf somewhere immediately. She stops and looks at you, and she glances over at the barkeep, and the barkeep glances back at her, and he looks at you. Who's asking? Oh, that wasn't in character. That was me literally looking around. Oh, you're looking this around? Is not in no, no, no. Definitely no <laughs> sorry. Definitely no dwarf here in the room. No redheaded. Just straight to the point. You glance around, like, revert dang, that. He's a good revert, cop. Yeah, revert that. No dwarfs. No, no male redheaded dwarfs that fit the description that you're looking for here. If you want to make an active perception check in case he's hiding in a dark corner, I'll allow you to do an active perception check. But it's all good. Yeah, as a look doesn't appear to be so then they approach i switch uh, to orcish can, yeah yeah that's fine uh reficule did you go into yeah. yeah yeah can you make a perception check for me and you can go back to what you're doing uh, uh with with uh Saruk. sorry in orcish this is my friend's first time would you mind uh making sure he gets the proper treatment i like eyebrow wiggle it's probably mm. very awkward coming from Saruk. <laughs> yes, she smiles. That's a Twenty-two for, me. and she's in orcish. She's like, you know what his preference is. We have this young man over here, or that young woman over there, or perhaps both. Maybe he just likes to watch. We can arrange a group discount if need be. As she kind of like runs her hand like along your back. As interesting as it is, I, I feel like I, my friend should get 
all of the the best treatment. The house Sarig is obviously like kind of like backing off a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> that possibly could happen. I'm so, sure he can speak for himself in terms of what he wants. Just give him the the best of that. She turns to you, Reficule, and she's like, "So," and she switches to common, right? Like, so, what, uh, what are you looking for? And I think at this point, with your perception check, everyone like realizes now that Reficule is like hard locked eyes on something. So while you guys are having this sort of soft conversation, Reficule standing in the door, facing towards the back where the staircase leads up. And there's a pretty gruff-looking, thick-headed-necked man, arms crossed, just sitting on the stairs, that's locked eyes with you, Reficule. It's the same person you saw in the elevator earlier today. He recognizes you, and you recognize him. I'll look at him for a moment, then I'll do that same whistle that I did earlier. At which point I immediately quit talking to old girl and just, like, turn and look at him. Right. And, uh... Oh, I'm sorry. What do I want? Um, what time is it? Sorry, I'm wrong accent. <laughs> right. Uh, Working out. You guys got me confused. You guys are doing Irish accents. I'm doing Western accents. <laughs> right. It's a, it's getting close to sundown, isn't it? I think what I really want is a coffee. There's like the heavy footsteps as the man, like pulling the, the little toothpick out of his mouth. Like heavy footsteps with the jangling of his spurs descends the staircase. And maybe... Maybe some old friends, and I look towards Saruk, and he and then back up towards the staircase. Calls out across the 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 saloon at you, and the lot of you pulls out his toothpick. Too late, we've uh, we've already claimed this bounty. Got to be a little faster to beat old to beat old Ruthie. And like looks up above him, puts the toothpick back in his mouth. Go on. It's just Saruk and Reficule inside, right? I don't know. Um, is it just fixing? Is it Anita and Hal I still outside? So. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But he's uh, he's he's definitely yeah. side eyeing mm-hmm. you guys, right? Um, okay. You can hear at this point. There's like a, a sort of like scuffle and like a loud sort of like thud above. It sounds like something very heavy just fell over, and the whole floorboards above you shake and dust kind of comes down as he looks up and smiles. Bounty's oh, ours. It's not out of the hotel yet. And I can just smile. A little bit. Not fully. Just a smirk. Lips closed. I just keep eyeing the dude. I didn't say anything. Hand probably goes slowly down towards where the mace is. You can sell like this. This woman, she's like still trying to sell you. Like, I mean, all right, listen, I'll go as low as like two gold per hour. That's the best I can do. She's like trying to barter with you in Orcish. Just like not paying attention at all eyes on the... Most of the people here have like noticed and kind of like tried to scoot themselves away, but like she's like hard set on working, right? Question. I was trying to whistle loud enough that they could hear outside. Yeah, yeah. I think it's absolutely you guys would hear the whistle from outside and and be making your way in, yeah. Anita would know that whistle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Shit hitting the fan whistle. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, as there's this, like, showdown, they come in the front door to, like, see what's going on. And coming down the staircase, we see this this tough, gruff man crossing his arms. And being led down the staircase is a red-headed dwarf that's currently, like, basically, like, bound up with, like, a bola around his, like, feet so he can't, like, move. And his wrists are bound. And behind him, a tiny halfling woman wearing, like, a big-brimmed hat 
with a small sort of dog trembling, like coming alongside of her, like, like as they do that, come down the stairs, and she's holding like Aldo, and he's gagged and he can't talk, and she's holding him, and she's got on her back a long, like dwarven made like musket of some sort that looks uh, Saruk like it would fit fit the holster that you had seen under the bed earlier. And she's she's like, ah, is it playtime? 